Miracy. Every cell inside of me embodied this acknowledgement that everything that I want to do is up to me. And it has zero to do with external forces. And you're totally responsible for all the chaos that you've created, which means you're responsible for all the beauty that you can create moving forward. Hello, and welcome to Consciousness Explored. I'm your host, Melissa Deal. In this podcast, we explore the expansion of consciousness, how it shapes our behavior and transforms our lives. On today's episode, we have lifestyle designer and coach Esco Wilson. Esco is an expert in personal development and transformation. He and I will be exploring the relationship between consciousness and self-mastery. He has a wealth of knowledge and experience in this field. Not only has he completely transformed his own life, which we'll hear about in just a minute, but he's also worked with clients from all walks of life to help them achieve their dreams and live their best lives. I am confident that you will find his journey and insights both inspiring and enlightening. I grew up in Harlem and growing up in Harlem in 84, 85, when the crack epidemic hit, it was zombie land. I was 10 years old at the time. That was, it was very scary. You could smell it. Like you knew what it smelled like. There was a crack vials all over the place. It was a raging story on the news. It was top of mind for all of us. The legacy of the crack baby, the legacy of the crack mother you had. The gang violence was extreme. It was just like a flame that just burned throughout the whole community. And you can literally watch people get like destroyed in a very short amount of time. And as a 10 year old, you can actually, you can say, yeah, that's a, that person's on crack. It became almost like a demon essence flowing through the community. So that becomes part of my conditioning. And on the other opposite end of that is the hero worship for the successful drug dealer. So it's this weird duality where it's like, oh my God, it's so terrible. Like, don't ever do that. Like hero worship means like all the women want to be with this this man, you know, he's alpha, powerful, and very smart and savvy. And everybody would like look up to them. It was weird. Like mixed capitalism versus morals and ethics and a clash of values in between that. So how does somebody like myself grow up and resolve these these complexities? I made a terrible decision. I decided to to try to be the the hero, try to be the alpha, try to be the king. Esco did become the alpha, the king, running a highly successful drug dealing empire. During that time, he also attended university and started an entertainment company, trying to maintain the appearance of being on the straight and narrow. He was arrested several times, but always acquitted. He was riding high at the top of his game when he was arrested one last time and finally convicted. Facing a mandatory minimum of five years, Esco had a moment that changed everything. So I had to sit in a very powerful experience and make a decision. And that moment for me was a Saturday early morning, like 2.30 a.m. in 2004, after an entire day of essentially wrestling with thoughts in my mind around responsibility, for life decisions that I made, specifically around being a drug dealer, 
and now being convicted on a federal level and looking at myself and trying to blame everybody else, I wasn't finding any peace in that. So I went through a whole day of dialogue in my head between what part of me wanted to be true, which was it was other people's fault, and what something really deep inside of me knew to be true. And that was, it's your responsibility. So I uh, had a business partner and you know we had our ups and downs. I'm already convicted and I'm requesting money from him that he owes me. I need this $40,000. And I left a voice message on a Friday morning and I didn't receive any you know, response. So now it's 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30 a.m. and I'm starting to boil. And the conversation in my mind is just not productive. It's all kind of criticism and critique on him and his behavior and his inability to show up. So now it's 10.30, 11.30, still no peace. It was like, yo, these people, everybody else. And then it was like, well, it was like a question. It was a curiosity. How true is that, Esco? What role did you play? Like, look at yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror. So I'm having this moment to, like, reflect. And I started to become more and more peaceful the more I took personal responsibility for the outcome that I was facing. So I was going to get at least five years, maybe more. I started to realize it's all my fault. It's your fault, and you need to apologize to everybody else that you brought in because you brought them into a world of pain. And now you want to blame them, but it's really your fault for destroying your life. And you're responsible for the path that they're currently on. So this is my drug crew. And so my moment of transformation is around 2.30 a.m., where every cell inside of me embodied this acknowledgement that everything that I want to do is up to me. And it has zero to do with external forces. And you're totally responsible for all the chaos that you created, which means you're responsible for all the beauty that you can create moving forward. And in that moment, something released in me. So it was almost like a rush of like ecstasy. If you if you ever taken ecstasy, it's like a, you pop the pill, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes later, give or take, something opens up where there's like flush of all these neuromodulators that lead to the high. So it's like heavy, heavy dopamine and you like, you just feel blissed out. So that's what I felt like. I felt just 2.30, boom, like blissed out. And I felt it just flow through my bloodstream. And 30 seconds later, my phone starts to vibrate. And it was a voice message from my business partner. And he was saying, hey, you know, sorry, I didn't get back to you. Um, you know, let's have a conversation. I want to talk to you. Get back to me as soon as you can. So the moment of peak integration is when I realized that he had called my phone at 9.30 a.m. And whatever is happening out there that our consciousness can't fully understand prevented my phone from receiving his signal. That, yeah, I called you back at 9.30 a.m., but no, don't let Esco receive that signal. Let him sit and have this amazing journey, this, this marathon conversation of self-reflection so that he can fully accept and receive his transformation. And from that moment on, the self-awakened lifestyle was part of my everyday heartbeat, my everyday breath. What happened to Esco in those early morning hours was so incredibly powerful that he continued his process of awakening and transformation while in prison. He finished his master's degree and began leading workout crews, teaching his fellow inmates to master their bodies. He began to feel that he could be even more of a role model and inspiration and eventually turned those workout sessions into mentoring opportunities. He would share ideas about clarity of mind and self-mastery, 
which he continues to do in his coaching practice. Yeah, I'm, I am basically replicating my prison lifestyle because it resonated with me so powerfully. And the heart of the matter is, if I'm smart enough to even attempt to get away with this mission impossible, called being a successful crack dealer, if I'm smart enough to do that, I'm smart enough to do anything. And what's stopping me from taking a long-term trajectory and channeling my genius and my effort and my savviness and my courageousness into something very powerful? So I think if there's a thousand drug dealers in the room, maybe one of them asked themselves that question. The rest of us didn't acknowledge that, well, shit, if you believe you can do this one thing, you have to believe you can do the other thing because the other thing doesn't compare in complexity. It was just laziness because you have to sit and explore what it looks like to tap into your genius, tap into your power and show up in a world that you might not fit in. Meaning like, let's say working class middle America or white collar America or tech, for example, or be brave enough to be the kid who's studying all the time. Be brave enough to not follow along the social norms of who we were being when we were high school kids. Like, brave enough to say, no, I'm better than that. We're back in the studio with Esco Wilson. Esco, I love your transformation story. It resonates so deeply with me. That moment when time seems to stand still and you go, oh, wow, it's me. I am my problem. And everything begins to change. What I'd like to do is dig a little deeper into that transformation process if we can. A lot of it seems to revolve around the concept of self-mastery. So I really want to focus on that with you today. Could you tell us how you would explain or define self-mastery? So self-mastery is going to start with, so I'm in communication with you. How do I master my response? How do I become the owner of my response? By making sure we are talking the same language, like we have the same idea. So definition I'm rephrasing that as a mental model. And from that mental model, from that vision, there's a moment where you're triggered and let's, let's make it high stakes. So it's a big moment in your life and stuff just starts falling apart. Like something's going wrong and you see it and your heart starts pounding. Somebody else who might know you might be like, oh, okay. They might even see it. They might even feel it. It's like a, a vibration. And... Self-mastery is noticing that moment and deciding how you want to label it, deciding what you want to do with that moment, because that moment is going to happen. Self-mastery has a lot to do with how fast you tap into that moment. Um, Self-mastery has a lot to do with channeling that nervous system trigger, which can open up pathways to like primal energy, primal emotion. So yeah, you might get a flush of what we could call anxiety and instead of being like, oh my God, I'm having an anxiety attack. Okay. Wow. Wow. Okay. This is not going well. Let me slow down. Let me get focused. Let me be here. What do I need to fix right now? Who do I need to be in order to tap into this moment? That's self-mastery. Love it. That's perfect. And since this show is Consciousness Explored, we're exploring self-mastery as it relates to consciousness. So tell me, how would you define or explain consciousness for you? What is consciousness in your terms? I like to follow the idea of emergent property, meaning the body is doing something, the brain is doing something, there's a whole chemical concoction, brain synapsis activity, all these things are happening. And for some reason, it leads to an awakening. 
of awareness. So I'm not necessarily aware of self, but I'm aware that I'm having a sensation. To me, that's consciousness. Awareness of self requires a little bit more ingredients, in my opinion. So maybe stages or or levels or states of consciousness would be different levels of awareness? So let's go with states. So um, I guess to tap into another system that helps us to understand consciousness, the yogic system, for example, there's an awareness of physical sensation. So that might be one layer. And then with this physical sensation, there's a level of arousal. So it's like very light. It kind of makes me dopey sensation, or it's like a very powerful, it elevates me sensation. And because of that, I start to have what I'm considering to be an emotion. So that's another layer. So there's physical, then there's energy, then there's like an awareness of an emotion. There's awareness of an instinct, like instinctually these triggers are going off. So that's nervous system stuff. Um, Then there's a story that I'm telling myself. And this story is bringing awareness or revealing my identity in this moment. So I'm telling the story. We can go back to the moment of something very powerful and transformative in your life, a moment, and things are going wrong and you feel your heart pounding. So that's physiological and it's very, very powerful. So it's a lot of energy and it's terribly unpleasant. So I label it as anxiety and a lack of self-mastery is like, I'm the anxiety victim. I'm the anxiety driven person who can't live up to this moment. That's me. So identity. So I'm conscious that I'm being this person in this moment who has this philosophy, who has this mental model of life and how they show up. Self-mastery, when it emerges, when it shows up is, yep, I'm aware that this thing is happening physically. I might not be able to do anything about that. Like if I'm cold, I'm cold. And if I'm disappointed, I'm disappointed. I can acknowledge it. Um, But the fact that I'm making a choice. The fact that I'm aware that, all right, I can't control that part. I'm cold, I'm naked in in the ice, and it is what it is. It becomes self-mastery when you acknowledge what you can control and what you can't control. I like that. And you choose on purpose. Yeah. It's like, all right, now let's go from there. Okay. I loved how your pivotal point of awakening was all about personal responsibility. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of taking personal responsibility in a journey of self-mastery or in any transformational journey? So personal responsibility is non-negotiable. Why is it non-negotiable? Because most of the work, basically 100% of the work, (laughs) is happening internally. I mean, you're in control. Nobody else can help you respond the way that is going to benefit you. You have to choose, you have to be in the creation of your response. And if you don't take personal responsibility for that, then great. There's a lot of programming and legacy tapped into how we're wired and how we were raised and our DNA. They'll make a decision. They'll respond for you. It's fine. You can live in automatic pilot. Mm, So what would you say to someone who believes that autopilot is the only option, that they're only a product of their environment or a victim of external forces or genetics, things like that. Some people believe, you know, the microbiome and all our reactions, like there's, we're just puppets. Like there's nothing that we really can do to overcome, you know, legacy and how we're programmed and how the food is impacting our nervous system and all that stuff. And that's not where you come from. I mean, even if you accept that, how do you become partners with the so-called puppet master? So all these other external things from the moment are kind of like, dictating how you show up, but you recognize it. The fact that you recognize it, pattern recognition, how do you start to tap into the pattern? How do you start to reprogram the pattern? So either way, I'm not convinced that 
we don't have major agency. So if you engage to drinking alcohol, like we know you drink this amount of alcohol all the time, these are the outcomes. And in that inebriated state, yeah, things are happening that you're basically a puppet. Okay, great. But you see the pattern. You made the choice to allow yourself to be loose like that. How do we become more aware of that? I'm choosing not to be aware. I'm choosing not to explore what's the best possibility around all the things that influence my body. I'm choosing not to be aware of that because if I became more aware of that, yeah, I can, again, partner with the puppet master. So would you say one of our greatest tools for self-mastery would be curiosity, questioning ourselves? Absolutely. So first, personal responsibility and then get really curious. Personal responsibility and then get very curious. Yes. And then what role would acceptance play? So it's almost like a chicken and egg kind of deal. I allow myself to be curious, which then opens up personal responsibility. Because I have self-acceptance, that allows me to be responsible, which allows me to be curious. Self-mastery could be seen as the proper alignment of self-responsibility or acceptance or curiosity. The proper amount of alignment in who you could be in a specific moment to really reach the potential of that moment. Yeah, yeah. And kind of moving to a different kind of speed here. How would someone know when an action or behavior is an attempted self-mastery and it's an expansive effort or if it's a punishing effort? So I'll give you an example. Many years ago, before I really began on this journey, so 25-something years ago, um, I really felt that I was the master of myself, you know, because I was so disciplined and so dedicated and so hardworking and so pushing, but I was in complete denial of every emotion I ever had, just all the trauma and all the, but I was so, I would have said I was a self-mastered person, you know, but it was very more punishing what I was doing and, and avoiding. So what's a good gauge of when it's expansive and you're growing from it and when it's more against your growth and evolution. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, I get it. So when you frame it that way, uh, we can appreciate that it's not self-mastery's fault, meaning there's something inside of me that's using this vehicle called self-mastery. And that something inside of me is trying to accomplish whatever it's trying to accomplish. Let's say it's trying to accomplish a certain presentation in front of external others. Like I need to look a certain way and I'm going to use self-mastery to make sure I look this way. Okay, self-mastery is a vehicle. I'll drive you to that destination. Do you really want to go there? Yeah, I do. Okay, but don't blame me for the negative outcomes of going in that direction because you can take the same vehicle and go into fulfillment. You can use the same, the same architecture, the same discipline, the same level of critique and analysis and the same step-by-step kind of like scientific process. You can do all those things and let them not sell drugs. Let them create small group lifestyle engineering communities, for example. So this is where you get really curious. That's where you start getting really curious, asking questions. What is the end goal and why? Curious. What are my values? What do I feel in my nervous system that resonates, that makes me feel expansive when I think about something I truly value, when I think about something I truly care about, when I think about my next creation, when I see the outcome, when I see the ripple effect, how does it make me feel? Okay, go ahead and see yourself as a major drug dealer. How does that really make you feel? Ah, man, that's not really that good. All right, well, just see parts of it. Just ignore. Just see 
Okay, so you're not being really curious. You're just looking at certain parts of it so that you can drive the, you, know, you can feel okay driving this vehicle called self-mastery straight into your demise. That's fantastic. And there's the personal responsibility again. <laughs> it just yeah. keeps going round and round. Yeah, yeah. So it's personal responsibility and self-acceptance and curiosity around the moment our values clash. You could use self-mastery to help create a beautiful harmony between being something powerful in your professional life and amazing integration into your personal life. That's fantastic. Would you say that self-mastery is always also a spiritual journey? So that goes into the integration piece. For me, I choose to integrate spirituality um, into everything that I do. I do that because it feels better. And using self-mastery to help infuse it deep into my personal life, my professional life, how I create relationships, how I try to build my life experience. By infusing spirituality into all of it, it makes it that much harder for other energies to exist. I don't want to have to consciously think about them to keep them away, to build boundaries around them. So in my, in my profession, as a personal trainer, a yoga instructor, transformation coach, I, I basically work with all women. And there's a sweet harmony and a spiritual partnership between myself and my, and my students and my clients. And so every heartbeat and every breath that's involved in our interaction, it just washes away animalistic things that can pop up. And I don't have to like expunge myself from any kind of imagery or thoughts that can emerge into my mind. It just washes away because I'm there to be a spiritual partner. Yeah, I love that. So what if someone's looking to uh, embark on a journey of self-mastery, what would be the first piece of advice you'd give them? Acknowledge your season that there's something in your life that can really, 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 really change your trajectory. There's some component in your life that if you stepped up into it and invested psychic energy into it and let it expand, the trajectory of your life would change. When you get triggered and you shut down, you do not manifest the potential of the moment. So brutal honesty with yourself. Brutal honesty around the moment where you're triggered into destroying your potential. You get triggered and you literally watch yourself destroy a transformative moment. Acknowledge that. Be brutally honest about that. That's good. That's great. And for someone who is stuck in the same place for a little while, not moving forward, what do you think is usually keeping people stuck in non-expansion? We're not committing to make it happen. We never get on the calendar and say, all right, world, this is what I'm doing by this time. And yeah, I'll probably fail. It's more likely that I fail. It's 90% probably a failure. And yeah, it will hurt a little bit, but I'll learn something. We're not willing to do that consistently. So when people think they're stuck, it's typically them not being honest with themselves about making choices to not move forward. So yeah, we're in a traffic jam and I'm saying you don't see yourself transforming the car into a helicopter and like moving forward. You don't see 10X. You don't see something way beyond. You don't spend time contemplating that. What do I really want? We don't really like vibrate like a child, like, oh my, like really excited, three-year-old, super excited, five-year-old. We're not allowing that. We'll mute that. We'll shut it down. And if we do allow it, we just do it just so we can feel excited, but we don't commit. And commitment is documentation with a date, with measurables, communicated to others who are looking at you and they're doing the same thing. They're pushing the envelope. And again, self-mastery, pushing it with integration so that it's part of fulfillment. There's a lot of failure. There's a lot of paper cuts. 
but we heal and we get stronger. It's fine. Like we found a nice balance between destruction and creation. We're not doing that. We're staying stuck in the middle because it's, it's less risky. I love that. And a lot of people I hear say, yeah, okay, this, you know, exploring consciousness, that's interesting. But what does it really matter to our daily lives? How is this going to make my life better if I understand more about consciousness? What would you say to that? Well, we talk about mental models. So how do you craft mental models? And who are you being when you craft a mental model? So I'm going through my normal life and whatever my level of awareness is, I'm making a decision based on what I believe is going to happen in the next second. So I have a projection and I'm stepping into the projection. And consciousness helps us to create projections of life that we really want to manifest, that really resonate. And we become the creators of our reality. We can see ourselves engaging in an essential behavior. We can see ourselves activating the next level of potential because our minds work a certain way. Consciousness expanded. And when we activate the next level of potential, our consciousness is seeing pattern. Our consciousness is, is connected to grand scheme, universal intelligence. So not only do we see the pattern, but we see way downstream and allow ourselves to be in alignment with the highest probabilities of manifesting what we want to manifest. Levels of consciousness that are lower than that stay reactionary and reactionary things are created from history. So that's karma. That's, we just stay stuck in a loop. So consciousness at a certain level can break karmic loops, can break reactionary, default, stuck ways of being and allow us to adapt and adjust in a way that's not only beneficial for us, but beneficial for the potential of the moment for others. And then you're literally changing trajectories, not just for you, but like you said, the ripple effect, others. In the moment, with the mind, with a consciousness, a subconsciousness, a body that's being programmed to send out those signals through, their, through its behavior, through its facial expression, through its language. I love it. This has been so fantastic, Esco. I want to thank you so much for this co-creation. And uh, I'm looking forward to the upcoming second season of your podcast. Oh, thank you. And in the meantime, where can people find you? So the name of my business is Self-Awakened Lifestyle. You can find me at the selfawakenedlifestyle.com. And my podcast is part of the Mercy FM podcast network. And it's called the Self-Awakened Lifestyle. So check me out. And we'll get all that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Esco. Beautiful. Wasn't that great? I just love him. Here are a few of the things that I've thought about since my interview with Esco. I wanted to have Esco on us because practicing self-mastery literally saved my life. We talked about personal responsibility, acceptance, and brutally honest curiosity, and those components became my closest companions for a few years as I slowly rebuilt my life. Quite a few years ago, I was going through what seemed like an endless avalanche of tragedy. My marriage was falling apart, I'd lost my son, I got mystery sick for four years, I had to sell my studio, and I ended up at MD Anderson to remove tumors and minor organs. I felt like the nightmare would never end. I often didn't have the strength to take a shower or pick up kids from school. I remember at one point thinking, I'm a good person. What could I have possibly done to deserve this? And the question, why do bad things happen to good people came to mind. So I decided to first just accept that as truth. It's just a fact of our reality. Bad things happen to good people. But then I got really curious and I thought, well, 
Do bad things happen to bad people? Sure. That's why we say, well, he had it coming. Do good things happen to good people? Of course. That's why we say, good for her. Couldn't have happened to a better person. Do good things happen to bad people? Oh, don't even get me started, right? I wondered why, even though every combination is true and prevalent, why did I only ever demand an answer for the one? Why do bad things happen to good people? If I really wanted to know the answer to that one, I'd need to question all the others as well. I went down the rabbit hole of my own psyche and came to some profound conclusions for myself and my life. I won't go into all the details here, but I'll share a few insights. I realized that maybe I needed to be more aware of categorizing the world in such a narrow and polarized way. I realized that the breadth of my judgments far exceeded the breadth of my understanding. I realized that suddenly I was no longer feeling sorry for myself. I was energized with curiosity, and that felt really good. And finally, much like Esco's epiphany, I realized that I was better than that. I was better than being the victim. I could be the master. Thank you for listening to Consciousness Explored. Consciousness Explored is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes such shows as Once Upon a Business and Just Between Coaches. A special thanks to our guest, Esco Wilson, for sharing his insights with us today. To find out more about Esco, check out the show notes for his website information. If you'd like to reach out to me, I'd love to hear from you. My contact information is in the show notes or just below on YouTube. Make sure you don't miss great episodes coming up on Consciousness Explored. Please follow us on Miracy FM's YouTube channel or your favorite podcast player. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment or a starred review. It really is the best way to help us get these ideas out to more people. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.